Today's show is sponsored by Miracle Made. And oh my God, you guys, you know that I love a luxurious set of sheets. And I now have such a set of sheets because of a Miracle Made. They are bedding that has been inspired by NASA. They've got silver-infused fabrics that actually make temperature regulating a thing. Uh, so you're not like getting too hot or too cold or whatever, you know, the whole thing that happens with your body's temperature losing its mind. Miracle Made helps with that. One of the little things that my husband particularly loves about Miracle Made is that it like doesn't have as much bacteria as regular sheets because of it's infused with this silver that prevents up to 99.7% of bacterial growth. So it leaves the sheets cleaner for longer. And then the thing for my husband is that it doesn't give him acne, which is like an issue for some people. But more than all of that, it's just luxuriously comfortable and delightful. And it has that cooling feeling while also being cozy. Very hard to achieve those two things at the same time. I mean, miracle made. Come on, well done. So here's what I think you should do. I think you should go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and buy some sheets today. And if you order today, you can save 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation at the checkout and you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. So there's just a lot of savings here, folks. Order today, you'll get 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation. And Miracle's so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you're not 100% satisfied, which I don't see happening, um, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and use the code fake the nation to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash fake the nation to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. Fake the Nation, episode 170. Hello, hello, this is Fake the Nation, where we talk about news, we talk about politics, and where we apply a little piece of tape on the bridge of democracy's glasses so we can still use them even though they're technically broken in half. I am your host, Nadine Farsad, and I'm here to absorb all the garbage so you don't have to. Today, we're going to talk about the debate in the state of the 2020 race. Finally, the big study on the gay gene. What does it all mean? Um, you guys, I'm so excited by the panel today. Um, returning to the show, uh, my lovely friends, I love seeing them so much, host of Employee of the Month, the delectable podcast <laughs> that you should all be listening to. Uh, she's also a writer. Uh, she's also written for the New York Times and the Atlantic and just fucking everywhere because she's just smart and brilliant and wonderful. And you guys, it's Katie Lazarus. Hello, hello, hello. Oh my God. Also uh, joining us on the show today, she runs a show at Pianos called Muzak, which is a, a show that you should absolutely go and see. She's such a fucking remarkable stage presence um, and she's so fun and she's so funny and she's just fun to hang out with so if you can if you ever have a chance to befriend her please do that you guys it's Marsha Belsky thank you <laughs> high praise um all right you guys let's uh, get into topic number one so Thursday night a dozen candidates took to the debate stage and well you tell me what did you think this is the most um the least I've thought about an intro uh what did you think <laughs> <laughs> I I physically cannot watch the debates. I cannot. It's like I it's I've always kind of been this way cuz both my parents are lawyers, so it was like I feel like it's like has some sort of triggering effect like just hearing a bunch of loud people yelling over each other. Uh, but yeah. I also like Was it like a was it like an ongoing trial in your home? No, like it's just <laughs> we're just really loud and like to get a word in and like we're always like I learned at a really young age like to more like debate for what I want, you know what I mean? Cuz they kind of respected that if I could lay out all my points and be like argument A, argument B. But not even that, just because I have always found political theater to be like really exhausting to actually watch mm, in real time. Yeah. And now especially because like everything feels so like fraught with terror and like I really have a hard time watching these debates. So I read the summaries and I sort of like just get the clips out of context from memes and stuff on Twitter. I think that's healthy to participate in democracy that way. Um, 
but I like basically kind of know what, it's healthy and it's also horrendous. Yes. What you're saying is both it's both also, of those things. I'm a millennial representation of what we're all doing. I'm just being honest with the listeners about what a lot of us are doing because we can't handle. And usually I'm not like home to watch them live. So I, I read the recaps and um, sort of get people's takes who are stronger than me, like you. It's called them. diffusion of responsibility, but with emojis. There you go. <laughs> Guys, yeah. I literally, you know how you have to book out uh, at clubs or whatever so they don't book you that night. I book out debate nights so that I don't have a yeah. show so I can fucking watch them in real time with yes. America. See, that's admirable. I, but I also love the political theater <laughs> and I have a different relationship. Katie, what did you feel... Were you, are you unable to watch these things now, well, or how do you? Like, there's I, also the fourth debate we've seen. I I I I, I feel you and I hear you. You, you should feel um, seen and heard because I also have <laughs> parents who are both lawyers. Yes. And, what? And, and we work have in a politics. Four lawyer we have a four lawyer parents. <laughs> Fuck. I, wow. And work in politics. Um, but I did. I did. Um. Uh, I did. I do have their gene of of actually watching them as yeah. much as I um, also um, have the self hatred um, <laughs> that they so thoughtfully uh, nurtured. Um, I, I, and on that note, since we all are coming from comedy, I you know there's 12 candidates. I feel like the the greatest loss of these, uh, particularly the Democratic debates, the, the, or the Democratic debate that we watched on on Tuesday or or, or, or read about on the Cliff Notes of. Um, <laughs> Is I think that we lost out in a, in a lot of different ways, and and part of me was just thinking like, why do we have twelve candidates? It just mm-hmm. kind of felt like why? you know, yeah, comedians. I feel like we were never loved enough as, mm-hmm. as children, mm-hmm. and I feel like um, politicians were sort of loved too much. Yeah. So you think they overbooked the show? Yeah. I think politicians suffer the same thing as comedians, right? They just want adoration of people. Yeah. I think they were loved a little bit too much, and that's why they're willing to go stand on those, uh, willing to go stand with 12 other. But I think 11 uh, and there, in some of those cases, because you know fucking Amy Klobuchar, which is, she was a stand up comedian. A yes. lot of them, you know what I mean? Oh, and like, yeah. There, there's, and, yeah, like yeah. there's a lot of crossover. Well, it's with like the, t- all the like Fox the News funny. pundits all failed as entertainers and then went to just be bigots. True that. You know, it's <laughs> right. like they, right. It was like, whether do I do I do I become a weather person it, or, yeah, or do yeah. I become yeah. a Tommy bigot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, but I mean, yeah. I think as like if this if this comedy thing doesn't work out for me, it's good to know that I can. And, um, Political pundit all the way. Go, go to, yeah. Um, well, okay. Let's talk about the moment that they ask um, Bernie Sanders about his heart attack. Mm-hmm. How did you feel about his answer? And did it make? I mean, for, I just want to say for that moment, I just started like schwitzing. I can't handle any discussion about his heart attack. I just I feel horrible. People are allowed to have heart attacks yes. and also run for president. You know, yeah. I mean? like people are allowed to have like medical issues and run for president and. The ageism and all that stuff. It's uh, it's like the other thing about age is that it it brings wisdom, you know, and a certain know how. And mm-hmm. it's I get it. I get it's a demanding job. I get all that stuff. Except for if you're Trump, it's not really a demanding job because it's mostly about watching TV or whatever. So like you can kind of craft it. Um, but uh, anyways, how did that make you feel? And how do you think he handled it? To me, there's like there's a way that we just perpetuate that the news media especially perpetuates the status quo while asking like they're asking innocent questions when it's really by focusing on these questions and being like, well, this is what the people want to know in terms of ageism, sexism, like the question of is Elizabeth Warren electable and that being asked over and over again in so many papers and essays perpetuates that that the notion that that might be a question which it's, it doesn't exactly. e- it's not even a fucking question in the first place or that it's I, that it's also, puts him in another it's category fake, it's also yeah. idiotic so yeah. so you know in with a, we don't know what the status is of, of Bernie Sanders' actual, you know, we don't know what his doctor has told him. We haven't been up in those aortas. No. And, you know, it, it really is idiotic. OK, so like there are many people who can survive uh, heart attacks and, and, and do so successfully all the time. And so I, I find it both simplistic and the fact that we're all ideally, if we're lucky, going to age, you know, need to start confronting ageism in in, in a, a more thoughtful way. Like I'm, yeah, I I actually find it um, it, it's sort. Of, and we'll talk about healthcare and all of those things. But I, I feel like the dumbing down is actually hundred percent a real problem. It yeah. is, and, and yeah. he had a halo effect as far as I'm concerned. To me, yeah, it kind of worked out for him because strangely. he 
proves, you know, that he's completely capable, uh, capable for however long any of us get. Yeah. Heart also, attacks the, can be so different, too. It's like heart attacks are on a scale. You know, it's like my dad's had a heart attack. My dad's really jealous of Bernie Sanders because he's like this like old Jew running for president. My dad's like, it should have been me. <laughs> We obviously have a lot in common yeah. because, like, my dad does We're not trying. feel that way about Bernie Sanders. <laughs> he does not. He, my dad worked for Carter. He does not want to um, have Wait, Bernie Sanders. Wait, my dad worked for Carter, too. This oh, my is God. Are crazy. you kidding me? Are you guys? Is it, are, are we, we also, sisters? So my, my dad and is also not. Jewish parents, right, Katie? Yeah. They are Jews. You, uh, you saw the horns. So four. Yeah, yeah, no, and I noticed you were sipping a, a cup of uh, Christian baby blood. You Jewish? <laughs> yeah. so. we, I live in Brooklyn, and I don't know if you guys have this. Every day I'm told, you Jewish? You go outside. Yeah, a little, little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So, okay, so four <laughs> Jewish parents, all lawyers, and everyone worked and for everyone Carter. And everyone worked for Carter. Um, it's amazing. Can, okay, can I talk Greatest ab- president? No, just <laughs> <laughs> But talk about a fucking 95-year-old dude. Anyway, uh, yeah. that's the other thing we should all, all reckon with it. Still building houses. People are living forever now. So we need to like a little bit, especially elitist politicians, right? Types. People, you know, like fucking Dick Jimmy Cheney Carter probably hearts. does Pilates or whatever. So the people, that, <laughs> mm-hmm. so people, they're I, living forever. And do so I the, go to do I teach Sunday school or do I do Pilates? <laughs> Pilates. So you, so the age at which they have to stop working is just further and further and further down the line because people fucking live forever. This is you know, so we sort of have to like recalibrate our thinking a little bit about how we view age and work and all that shit. But putting that aside, I want to talk about the moment that really fucking drove me bananas. Mm. And uh, there's been I like that there was just one. (laughs) This was the most bananiest. There was, it's funny because I got a a couple of emails from dear listeners being like, hey, it's great that you like Elizabeth Warren. Could you explain why? You know what I mean? And and I was like, oh shit, I guess maybe I've just been so lost in the euphoria of Mm -hmm. Elizabeth Warren that I I forget to talk about why exactly and specifically. Um, and, and, And I'll just, my, one of my big ones is the wealth tax. That's what we should be doing. I think it's brilliant. There's as a freelancer, it makes so much sense. You're, you're not you're, worried about like Swiss. I'm I'm just worried about very wealthy oh, like people hidden bank finding accounts. ways, sure. and they will, and yeah. they yeah. will. But there's still enough of the money, their money in the United States that is duly known that should be because they're already doing that. They're already, already hiding yeah. their money from the. One percent of taxes they have to pay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. and they get to go to the you Caribbean know, I, I and went to the, the Cayman Islands get... once yeah. to uh, op- uh, to investigate offshore banks with a yes man. Anyway, and oh, I uh, thought you were going to say to open a bank right? account. I was and like, I tried what? to open, <laughs> and I tried to open in the Cayman Islands. I tried to open wow. an offshore bank account with a, my disposable income of eight dollars and twenty three cents, <laughs> and I was like wow. duly kicked out of. There's a video you can see it online, and I was duly kicked out of all of the fucking um, banks. Yes. Uh, and I security was... was called, and it was a whole thing. And I was like, what? I just want to open. In a bank, an offshore bank account. Anyways, my here's the moment that drove me crazy. This um, the moment was this trying to get Elizabeth Warren to talk about whether or not she's going to raise taxes with her health care plan. Mm. This is a disingenuous question because money is money. It doesn't fucking matter if your money is going to health insurance. I mean. It matters. There's a lot of ethical reasons why it matters. But whether your money is going, from your perspective, it doesn't matter if your money is going to a health insurance company that is going to fucking fight you and nickel and dime you to pay for regular labs or Mm -hmm. whatever, or if it's going to the government who will... In, will actually not be nickeling diming because they'll just cover everything. Mm-hmm. So there is the the idea that we're trying to get her to say yes, I'm going to raise taxes is is just it's it, it's a it's like this is she electable? That is not the question. Yes, exactly. The question is not are you going to raise fucking taxes? But it taxes. becomes the question because the media knows that that's what gets and them views. So, and will, it's so lazy, and they know better. They know that it means the same for an individual paying copays and a monthly but fee and all that shit. But it's clickbait, and it's horrendous, and I hate it. I I, I completely agree. You know, first of all, the idea that you're not even talking about deductibles and and all the unspoken, you know, the hidden costs that you really face when when you have any type of medical crisis. And I'm someone who has had to endure these things. Um, And you'll just have to withstand it, Nagin, that sometimes people have had to go through these kinds of things. Uh, But, but, But what I would say is that I was simultaneously, you know, it, I've loved Warren for a long time. Mm-hmm. I will say that, like, 
all of these uh, candidates need to be really careful about contempt. And one way that we show that is by not being forthcoming and clear. And healthcare is such a confusing and yawn-inducing yes. subject that it's really hard to translate to anyone under the best of circumstances. And so, like, be be clear. Be very clear that, like— yeah, taxes may go up. Guess what? We have really low taxes I think compared to most of our competitors. They want that soundbite, though. They want the soundbite of her but there's saying ways, there's ways of they her can cut saying it. That's exactly that's, right. That's really— That's right. This yeah. is not the first time that this question has come up. Yeah. This is actually a question think, that has been coming up for decades. If you look back yeah. and, and look at when, you know, Hillary first—and I'm I'm not a huge—Hillary's border, but I, I she, you know, from the very—to to her credit, she was the one who's, who spearheaded, hey, maybe we mm-hmm. should look at health care and maybe— Maybe we should look at the costs of this. Um, and I also want to say that um, the difference between Medicare for all and Medicare for all who want it, to me, is yeah. a little bit I don't care. And I don't care because, to me, Medicare for all who want it is clearly a stepping stone to Medicare for all. You know, like, yes. I think that it that because it'll be so much more popular, because it won't force people to be bound to their jobs. They won't have to stay in a shitty job because of healthcare. They'll be able to opt into Medicare for all who want it. It'll end up becoming the main player and then ultimately take over the system. That's how I, I and I don't know what I'm talking about necessarily, but that's just how I, I think it's clearly a stepping stone. So for me, if 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 Elizabeth Warren would be like, look, if that ends up being the like, I think she's also building room for compromise. She's opening the Overton window for what she wants to achieve and what is achievable, I think. I understand, you know, though, like the Bernie people who when you're working with some, against somebody like Trump, it gets a little frustrating when it's like maybe we're past the point of compromise. So they want somebody who's just really going to go for it and then work backwards because that's what conservatives do. They start at yeah, that's... the absolute, this is, we're going to make the terms of debate. And then Democrats are recovering like, well, no, like we shouldn't, you know, so that's why I like people like Cortez and Bernie because they start at places like abolish yeah, ICE and yeah. it's like, work me backwards. So I think we, they want to start at Medicare for all. all. And yeah. then I think you have Warren, who's pretty close to as left as Bernie is, but not quite. And then I think part of the reason this like it gets brought up in these debates by the other candidates is like, I think you have a lot of leftists who feel that people like Buttigieg, Biden are more closer to center and right than they are left. I also think that that, again, it goes back to the sort of penny wise pound foolish thing. I mean, we have the the only the only thing that you can ever talk about that actually has statistical um, back, you know, we can look at Germany and Canada and France and we can look at all these countries and say, OK, what did they do right and what did they do wrong? I mean, it's almost pathetic that we're not having a much more thoughtful conversation about healthcare because we have all of these countries that we can look at and say, like, what did you do correct and what didn't you do? And instead, we're sort of mincing over, like, do I want it to be Medicare for all? Like, not really looking at the the bigger picture when we actually have data that we can use, you know? That's our media, though, like, simplifying things because it's like a branch of our entertainment system in America. It's like America doesn't want to have deep analysis we've de-intellectualized ourselves and also we take pride in like not being like other countries so whenever you try and get a lot of americans to look at other countries as models it's sort of this like that's not us you know know what i found and i think that's absolutely right about like kind of de-intellectualizing our our understanding of politics because when I lived in Paris, it's Howie? not a big, it's not when a big deal. Live? I lived in Paris. <laughs> um, I lived there for about two years. Can we do and... the whole? Can we do the whole podcast in French? Yeah, just yeah. Say, just start doing I French. feel like I'm I've... like eat, ready to eat. <laughs> <carbs. Je> <laughs> um, and when I when I lived there, um, it, I I remember feeling like the, something strange, which is that. Everybody, regardless of socioeconomic background, knew some shit about their political system and had opinions and they were really into it. You know, like it wasn't something I think in the United States, it's really like, well, we'll just let the the cafe, the the, the latte set um, handle the, the real political discourse and the rest of us will do something else. No, in France, it's just sort of like everybody. And um and there's something we, you know, admirable about that. There's no reason why be, you shouldn't be interested regardless of what you fucking do for a living. And to your point, the idea that, you know, 
before this debate, I couldn't really differentiate between uh, Warren and Sanders's platforms, meaning that, you know, I mean, I would say like, oh, is this a, like vegan ice cream versus sort of like the, you know, whole whole ice cream? Like, I, I couldn't quite fully say, like, what's the difference between Bernie and, yeah. and Elizabeth Warren? And I really did feel like I could walk away from this debate with a little bit better and an understanding. And then what is that understanding? Well, just before I say that, just to say that when you're in a country like France, yeah. like people do, <laughs> can differentiate and say, well, no, yes, you know, yes, yes. you're not, I'm not just a socialist because I, I might have have some progressive values here. And I think that there's almost a um, fear of, of talking about Medicare and health care. And, you know, I, I do think that uh, we have, because of the media, started to look at health care in assuming that something is uh, wrong or we should be more safe. We should call it, you know, be safe in terms of what we say is going to be okay. Yeah. Um, I just, I'm just— No, yeah. I, there's I, a cultural element, too, I think, to that because it's like— Every country, the way that they're engaged, I think, just has so much to do with what's encouraged culturally. And I think that was Bernie's real strength as he sort of motivated this huge grassroots movement yeah. back in 2016 that Americans weren't used to experience that kind of, in my opinion, culturally built off of the Occupy Wall Street mentality of like, we can do this too. We can galvanize on Twitter. If the white supremacists are galvanizing on Twitter and the capitalists are, then the people who are against those systems can also use those platforms to find each other and i think and i think what he did was you know he is and i think continues to be the the leader of that movement but groomed others who are potentially better at actually being the face of it Mm -hmm. you know and so and so i think with elizabeth warren not that she was uh she's been a progressive for a very long time and she's been doing the academic work but i think on the heels of bernie she's been able to be more successful and I think the reason why she's so successful is because I like to hear her explain to me that the wealth tax works like this. Because it's a professor. Million, she's a yeah. professor. The 50 million and first dollar will be taxed at two cents and mm-hmm. every dollar after that. And that's not a big deal. And then here's what we can do. Here's how we can pay for that. I think that's the the other thing is people uh, – I think when you look, look at someone like Pete Buttigieg, you know, his first main kind of answer was like – we're not think. We're all standing up here talking about whatever. But what we need, really need to think about is who's going to be the president after Trump. Like the presidency, what does it look like after Trump? And I was like, that's some wishy washy garbage. It doesn't mean anything to me. Like the only thing that he said that was substantive was about court packing. I, Otherwise, I was like, you're not saying anything. But mm-hmm. I think Elizabeth Warren took every opportunity. Um, I love her plans. To, I'm so horny I love for her yeah, plans. plans. Um, <laughs> she took every opportunity to like really be like. This is the plan. This is what this is why it'll work. And and this is what we're going to do. But it's selfless, too, because even if not utilized, even if she doesn't win the presidency, she's laid out those plans to still that the Democratic Party, if they could get their shit together and actually confidently move left, could galvanize around. Yeah. But, but these yeah. plans she's laid out. I, you know, the Democratic debates to me were 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 a boon for the, the candidates, right? The candidates who most of them won't become president, right? We're lucky yeah. if, if one of them will, um, you know, are going to get these appointee appointments. You know, mm-hmm. th- th- this is a potential sort of like... Audition. Audition yeah, who's for running for VP, you know, that, who's running for yeah, Secretary of Housing. Right. Cory Booker's in there. He's a likable guy. Oh my Everyone God. wants Rosario Look, at the I holiday just party. Can also that like <laughs> a Warren Booker ticket... Yeah, and it makes me. Uh, I think it'd be too corny for the people who want the revolution, though. I I think the people are really looking for something that can go head to head with Trump, and I think Warren could. But I Booker hasn't sold me on that yet. and and, and the, the, these are the weird things about the demographics. Like Biden is still leading everybody in South uh, Carolina. Well, I know. And so again, I just want to re- reiterate for the record: I fucking hate that we have these primaries, the system yeah. of primaries like this. Yeah. All the voting should be on one fucking day. It does. It should not matter what Iowa, and New Hampshire do for the rest right. of the country. It shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter. Yeah. Shouldn't matter. They know. It, we all know it. This is ridiculous. But how? Anyways, that said. South Carolina is an early state and Biden is still leading in the polls, presumably because of his support among the African-American community, the kind of support that Elizabeth Warren does not necessarily have. So 
I don't know. I also feel like you know, I love Warren. I, I'm I look. I'm 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 would be excited if if she gets. Um, you know, I will be her. I will vote for her. But my I really am very nervous by the Democrats. Like they mm-hmm. constantly fumble and stumble through things that we really need them to succeed at. And mm-hmm. and so I I have to say that like that. It's it's going to continue to be a variable. Like there's no mm-hmm. sure thing as to who which one is going to win. So the, and which you one so you okay. Our so leader. in closing, you do you guys feel like we got any? Was there any winnowing? Who's just completely you think going to be out of the game by the November debates? It's interesting from the reactions. I mean, well, I think Tulsi made a really bad show when she was but great white she, suit. She had a great <laughs> David Bowie. She's, she's white a really suit. like pretty lady. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. So, I, like to me, like I said, like I didn't watch the debates. I just read the summaries, but I do kind of see the reactions online. Um, and I do see the Bernie support. You know, the Bernie people are really trying to distinguish themselves from Warren to show how he's further left and willing to push a little harder, I think, whereas some people, I think, like that Warren wants to compromise. It kind of depends where you're at. So I think this debate um, did a good job at, like you said, distinguishing their two platforms in a way that I think benefits both of them in a yes, way. Yes, I agree. And then also, um, I think... Yeah, I I don't know. I think it galvanized people around their candidates a little bit while maybe showing true colors of uh, Pete and like things like that. Uh, Do you think there was a winnowing? Well, first of all, to your to your point and the fact that you weren't even willing to watch the debates shows how bad the debates are. (laughs) That's what I was going to say, too. In terms of Democratic participation, like here versus France, I feel like it's so much harder to participate here emotionally, time wise, the whole amount of like how it works with the primary. We're going to talk about that later. I mean, yeah, the the whole idea of is this is this a real policy discussion you know are we going to actually talk about the impeachment about yeah. what's going on in are they going to ask the about courts? ellen degeneres and george bush totally. like. and so it had this sort of edutainment kind of you know always and it's like is this the i i felt I, a little I think bit every like debate should be on pbs even even just like watching cnn and, and the new york times like give these like ratings for the the different candidates being like 2.9 and yeah. and and I was like is this the ice capades or something yeah. and like yeah. these yeah. are just Candidate like talked. glitter unitards yeah, yeah totally like what is this and I think there's just too too much at stake for us to be questioning like do I really want to pay for watching but the, the media capades? loves Trump Michelle Wolf was the first person to say it and then they canceled the White House correspondence dinner because of it the media created Trump, they profit from him, and they like yeah. him, but they will not admit it. And I think they're going to make him president again, essentially. Yeah. All right. Well, let's not... I'm not, not the media gonna... as a whole. I'm talking about the for-profit I, news uh, media, certain I, areas. I, I'm, I'm, the po- I'm, I'm just because I'm always hopeful. I, I, I was very enchanted by the fact that there are potential leaders. I didn't see anyone mm-hmm. as like, could you be the president? I, the answer is I don't know. But I was very, very excited to see so many people um, that can potentially be president. And yeah. that was that was exciting just to see, you know, leadership that is that there there is some with a hope. backbone. Yeah. 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 It does. It, it, and uh, yeah, I mean, that honestly, has the anybody... words to stand up to. I think some of the edutainment stuff, right. the questions they're being asked, like I would just like to see a stronger like that's a stupid question. But they're like not yeah. allowed to say that. <laughs> Anderson Cooper asking, like, you know, Jesus. who is your who's your last friend? And yeah, then it's like, go ditch your friend saying, Kathy Griffin yeah. on a dime again. Like, <laughs> and then, right, totally. And they're all saying, like, some of my best friends is John McCain. Uh, totally. yeah. yeah, exactly. My best friend's John McCain. He passed. And it's like, oh, I know. Everyone's best friend was John McCain. Yeah. That was some a funny thing this week, too, that you had Megan McCain, Don Jr., and all these people talking about nepotism in terms of Hunter Biden. I mean, oh like, God. nepotism's evil. It's like, look right. at you. And, and nobody brought up the fact that I think eight, how much money, uh, Kushner and um, oh, but the, the China kids, trade, oh, the China like, yeah. yeah, no, it's ridiculous. Billionaires, well, right and now. we didn't even get into the Biden uh, nepotism thing because it's not a real fucking story. No. Exactly. That's another no, thing too. No, they Hunter, focus on the, the Hunter story. Biden thing, which we, they spent a fucking unfortunate, however, ten minutes Trump on. Spent like yeah, that was right. another. That is Hunter Biden right. is to twenty. 19 what emails were to 2016 but that's what I'm talking and about and we shouldn't be fucking but it's talking purposeful. about it. so you're so right and it is so um eerily dangerous, dangerous right like like the fact is like the supreme court is far more of a serious issue for all of us as to um 
who we're competing against, who who's competing against for, you know, potentially becoming the president. That's yeah. why I that's why I feel so exhausted by all of this that I can hardly participate is because there's no catching of Trump says one thing and that's the story. And all of a sudden, that's the story. And it's like, that's why I think I'm looking for someone who can fight against that, who has the tools to be like, no, that's not the story. You know, how did you all feel? I'm just curious about, um, you know, uh, AOC and, and and the endorsements. You know, I felt I like the, surprised. the squad goals. Um, I was just curious, like what your squad goals are. No, um, or, <laughs> <laughs> how, how you felt about, you know, um, yeah. the endorsement. Just curious. What people said online was that it shows the sort of real true leftist movement that was um, not started under Bernie Sanders necessarily, but sort of brought to mainstream attention in 2016. That it shows solidarity and, you know, there's there's a faction of people who think that some people use um, or that the that people have twisted real discussions about where social stratifications are and identity politics and things like that to basically have people be loyal to people who don't actually agree with their politics because you want to support a woman or a person of color and things like this. And so I think it was the leftist movement saying that we are fighting with and for each other and we're not going to be distracted by talking points besides what we're fighting for. Because they do fight for gender equality and all these things. I also think what's weird in, in terms of endorsing Bernie versus Warren for the squad, I find that strange because there's nothing particular about Warren that they should di- have any distaste for, right? Like the she's thing, she's not a socialist though. They identify yeah, as socialist. I guess, I guess that's. I guess yeah. She's or a democratic she, call her, she calls herself a cheerful, ca- cheerful capitalist or something. I think she. Um, I think that also. I, yeah, I think the. I think the main, and this goes back to the difference between Warren and Sanders, is I think she actually does, and we've said this, it, she does the politicking to get things done, and there's something about that that they find distasteful, right? Like, the CFPB, you know, that took, I'm sure, an immeasurable amount of energy and effort and politicking to get that done, but and, and it ultimately happened, um, and that might seem like there's something about being able to <laughs> work with people. Yeah, but they're looking <laughs> at a right-wing and, and Bernie that does... doesn't have the same record. that that He doesn't have that kind of record. But the you know entire record... I mean? Right wing is not working with people. So it's like, I feel like I understand why people feel that way, because you have this like, yes, we should work with people and we should compromise. But because of that, we've been pushed more and more and more to the right and the center. And I think they're looking for people who join together and say, we're not doing that anymore. I really wasn't surprised when they endorsed her. I know a lot of DSA people who were surprised just because they didn't really think it is a risky thing to endorse Bernie. And I think that I... I thought it was uh, I thought it took guts and I thought it was I I wasn't surprised that they didn't um, support Warren because they are they're anti-capitalist. That is their stance. And this is the first time we're seeing a large movement that is really saying this post-capitalism is dangerous. It's dangerous to our environment. It's dangerous to our society. And they're not going to support anybody who's saying, well, I can be a part of it and fight it from the inside because that's not what they believe. Yeah, I under. I mean, I I, I get what they're where they're coming from. I'm still I just uh, totally, yeah, it's, it's just interesting. Um. All right, you guys, we are going to wrap that up and uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we will do a quick little check in on the impeachment. (laughs) Today's show is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions. It monitors your spending. It helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. I have used Rocket Money. And you guys, honestly, I had no idea how many things I was subscribing to that I didn't want to be subscribing to. I think we all go into, we enter into subscriptions with a Pollyanna view that we're going to use as a subscription, even though it's a super obscure, you know, education app from Albania that uh, teaches Russian math or whatever. And then you're like, I'm never going to use this. Why did I get it? I should remember to cancel it. And then you don't. And I know you guys are like me and I know you've done this to yourselves. And guess what? 75% of people have subscriptions that they've forgotten about. So we're all in this bucket. And I think paying for that stuff is so angering and Rocket Money is there to help. Because basically Rocket Money shows you, hey, look at this is what all the things you are subscribed to. But then here's the bigger thing. 
to unsubscribe. You don't have to go through the whole rigmarole. Rocket Money unsubscribes for you with a click of a button. It's so easy. The other thing Rocket Money did for me, which I was incredibly grateful for, was reduce the cost of one of my bills. It was my cable bill. Yes, I still have cable. Rocket Money has over 5 million users that have saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the apps features. I mean, that tracks for me and for the number of things I was paying for that I'm frankly ashamed of. So thank you, Rocket Money, for like fixing the shame glaze on my life. Uh, so stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Again, that's rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation, you guys. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm -mm -mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And we are back. <laughs> nope. Harry, what? You know what? You're fired. <laughs> <laughs> You're fucking fired. And we are back and we're ready for topic number 1.5. <laughs> you guys, um, we just want to do a quick little impeachment inquiry check-in because Gordon Sondland is doing a little uh, test testimonial today. Right now. Right now. Currently, we're Thursday morning uh, taping here and he is in um, D.C. reading an 18-page statement. Uh, and in the statement, one of the things he's going to talk about is that Trump had basically um, farmed out all of the foreign policy having to do with Ukraine to Rudy Giuliani, who is not an official foreign diplomat. Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. And Gordon Sondland is, is, by the way, like a, a Trumpite, right? He was given that position um, because he had signed on uh, with Trump uh, of long, you know, very early on in the um, election process. And he was sort of rewarded by being given the post of ambassador to United Nations, uni sorry, the European Union, which is funny because he actually has no um, experience. And so <laughs> what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> experience. So uh, so I so I thought that was interesting because the 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 statement is not entirely flattering. He said, I think also in this statement, he's saying that um you know, they were dismayed. He was he didn't appreciate that Giuliani was handling all this stuff, but nonetheless <laughs> followed along with it. So Stanford prison experience, this whole administration is just like, <laughs> well, I just did what I was told. It's like, Jesus. I also like I, I feel like so Trump was basically trying to think that, you know, Syria would somehow be and, and Turkey and everything that's going on would somehow be a distraction. distraction. And like, mm. you're just like, you understand that you just freed all of these like ISIS <laughs> prisoners. Who, you like, saw his letter. Like, like it's crazy. His letter to the president of Turkey. His president, <laughs> his letter to the president was, I couldn't believe it wasn't like a, like a sketch, you know, where it was just like. Do the right thing. Don't be stupid. Don't be I'll call guy. you later. Don't, don't yeah. be a tough guy or something like that. Psycho. Yeah. We're know, talking about Bernie's age. Meanwhile, we have like a senile great great grandfather in the White House. I mean, it's yeah. insane. No, it it is really really bad. Um, uh, I also hate that I sort of like salaciously kind of enjoy obsessively listening to the impeachment. Like, you know, you're just talking about yeah. the debates before. Like, you know, what I need to be focusing on is policy, healthcare policy climate and change. the Supreme Court yeah. and climate change. And mm -hmm. instead I'm like, wait, What's he did what? On? Gordon Sondland <laughs> yeah. said what? I know. Why do I name know the name of Gordon Sondland? You know what I mean? All of that. Yeah. No, it's totally it's it's um it's a soap opera. But I also have to say I wanted to say too, I guess there was some stupid fucking drama between Nancy Pelosi and and Dottie oh, yes. right. yesterday where he had a meltdown and she I mean what Whatever. Um, I don't even know really what that was about. But the but Democrats the House, had to walk out. But the House basically unanimously passed a 
uh, what are those called? Resolution that was basically like, you suck for doing this thing to the Kurds. Um, and then there was a little argument over that in the thing. And, and then he they said had to the walk Kurds out. are no angels after that, so much cultivation no of angels. allyship. What are you talking about? Unbelievable. Well, that's the thing, too, is that now at least, well, no, not at least, because if I could change it, I would not have a fucking genocide happen. But yeah. it's like the thing... He's he's always been false, but you have these people who are like, well, he's going to be tough on ISIS. And now when you're home for your Thanksgiving fucking dinners, make sure you remind them that he's not. You yeah, know? I, I, have, like, to say, for real, I for also real. have to say, like, on, on Nan, on, for, I love Nancy Pelosi, and I'm also really glad that she's done so much plastic surgery, because if you have to, like, deal with Trump, <laughs> like, your you, forehead better not move, girl. <laughs> That's exactly right. Oh. Like, you cannot. <laughs> it's what, too what risky. Is she you respond, that. and you I don't sh- know what you're going to say. Her eyebrows like, are staying at that same level. He looks like shit. And he's had plastic surgery too, but he looks like shit. Totally. But, she, but hers <laughs> looks very tasteful. I think hers looks I very tasteful. She's, she's not a real housewife. I, I respect um, and I admire her. I'm like defending oh, yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like defending her plastic surgery for some reason. Um no, but we don't know if she's had plastic surgery. If it's that common knowledge, I don't know. We're just suspecting. We're just suspecting. Okay. All right. You like I feel like as soon as you like get into politics they just put a botox needle in your forehead if you're a woman biden. They're like, you don't I even feel have like a ch- biden was oh, going biden, it's it nuts. <laughs> he has like this forehead that is like he had a he must have had a facelift though because That's his what I think skin happened. is both full like you know behind his scalp oh, yeah okay we don't know anyway or for it all i'm just saying is that like it, it must what be it so hard to have to respond when trump says something Fucking and so i just bananas. can see yeah, that yeah. having botox might help so that you don't you know, scream or furrow your brat. No, That's I hear all. you. Even just in how the photo where it's like she always just and I don't even know if it's the plastic surgery or just years and years of an incredible poker oh, face. No. Like That's why. She <laughs> and like a thousand children. But then he posted and, a photo yeah, being kidding. like she's unhinged and in the photo oh, no, it's like not. you look like a scared child and she looks like the one in power so <laughs> you shouldn't have reposted. <laughs> right. You know. Totally. Yeah. But also I want to say though about the impeachment inquiry in general and it, we'll just close on, on me um, is that I feel like it's coming at a nice steady clip. I feel like the testimonies we're getting are substantive and good and and clarifying. You know what I mean? I feel like this is being handled well. Uh, I don't know if that's a feeling you guys share that like in general, it just feels like it's going correctly. It does. But I have such anxiety oh, that I am yes. so scared of it sort of turning at any moment. But I will say... I want Rudy Giuliani to be arrested at a Yankees game. And Deezus and Marrow tweeted, like, we'll be there. (laughs) (laughs) It would be fun. It would be fun. Yeah. Um, All right. Let us move on to topic number two. All right, you guys. We read a piece called A New Age of Gay Genomics is Here. Are We Ready for the Consequences by Jeremy Yoder? And it was about, um, is there a gay gene? And there, this is an actually, I'd say, a complicated study that's hard for me to talk about as someone who's not a scientist. Um, from my understanding, the answer to that so far is no, there isn't. But there are collections of genes called loci <laughs> that are again I feel so awkward saying just these words because I'm like I'm probably saying them wrong you're like so an actor in a medical drama you're making me feel better because you went to an Ivy League school I went to Wesleyan I like barely barely two, graduated two doing Ivy basket schools. weaving and, yeah. and like <laughs> <laughs> so no so loci and the the prevalence of those loci seem to match um, the, like, if you have those loci, then you also identify as having sex with the same, having same sex sexual relations. Uh, it, it's not so, but it's not predictive. Like, you could have that loci, but then not have sex with the person of the same gender, right? So, anyway, so, so it's like the findings felt, I guess, vague or just, you know, they're not, uh, this like slam dunk easy thing to talk about um but i guess before we even get into that what i mean it's sort of weird do we even want there to be a gay gene (laughs) like what is it what is the 
where is the where are the moral and ethics about even knowing if there's a gay gene? I, I'm so pro science. I know I'm going to put this out there, and I know it's really risky. I'm trying to just imitate <laughs> Joe Biden being like, I know I'm going to you know really piss people off. <laughs> I am pro rainbows, um, but so yeah, I am very pro science, and and if it is beneficial, great. I just I'm I'm even more as as pro science as I am. I am anti. Pence. <laughs> and so I'm really, really scared of the repercussions of this kind of information being abused and misused. And and as someone who doesn't know enough about science, I dropped out of my doctorate in clinical psychology. I have a master's. It means nothing. Liberal <laughs> arts is really <laughs> irrelevant, as most people will really know if they <laughs> ever um, study it. And so I, I, I'm very, very scared of, of this kind of information being misused. By, yeah. by, by so, Pence, and, and by the Crotch Brothers, exactly. you know, who are so, Koch brothers. So, the, <laughs> so I guess the and the misuse kind of comes down to a couple of areas. One is creating the designer babies that would right. that Gattaca, if, yeah. Right. The or Gattaca dogs, version if, of if the future. Yeah, if you, you don't want your <laughs> you don't want to have a homosexual dog. Um or uh also in countries where homosexuality is legal, right. sort of like testing people and all mm-hmm. of that stuff. So I think that's uh those are some of the areas in which this kind of information could be weaponized. Marsha, does that scare you or how do you feel about Yeah, that? it's I mean, reading it, that's the thing is they were talking about how they're trying to make it like responsible. But I think however you stand on things, the research would hit you different. So it's like, you know, I think the positive intention of trying to prove some sort of gay gene is to fight against this idea that it's somehow unnatural, even though from the beginning of human history, same-sex couples have existed. Um, I think in terms of the behavioral genes, it's about sort of proving that most humans are probably fluid but make decisions based on culture and otherwise um, or preference, which gender they mostly sleep with. Um, and so, yeah, but then I think it could not only so easily be manipulated for these experiments, but it could be manipulated culturally to somehow disprove certain ideas of bisexuality or this idea, like, you're born with it, but, like, they're not in a good way, you know what I mean? Like, where it's just sort of, I feel like it could be really dangerous, like you said, And that the intent behind it, depending, you know, like I said, if you're coming at it because you grew up in an environment and you're gay or queer and people always told you it's unnatural, I could see why this could in some ways. But then it's also like we know it's not unnatural. So why are we still it feels in another way of perpetuating like the talking points of the other side where it's like, why do we need to prove that being gay is genetic? If we know there's some sort of both natural and nurture element to people's fluidity and sexuality and things like that. So I do think it's humans trying to find hard yes and no answers and firm categories because that's how we feel comfortable. And I think in terms of sexuality, it would actually help us if we let some of that go, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, I just want to actually um, clarify something here uh, from the actual article um, about this this kind of this locus of uh, genes. Um it the the finding is basically out of a thousand random guys on the street who carry that variant, their finding is that forty four percent have actually had sex with other men. So again, it's um so th- that those are the sorry yeah forty four have actually had sex uh, with other men, um not forty four percent forty four uh so so the the variant is a correlation right now i guess it's not again it's not necessarily yeah. predictive it seems like a first step and like a long like thing they're trying to like figure out right exactly it's yeah. the first step in a long thing they're trying to figure out and again as someone who went through ivf thank you um <laughs> they they test your shit uh a bunch and they t- you know and 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 you know i i didn't get very much I just was like the information I got was like these look good, you know, basically. Or it whatever. wasn't like blue eyes, blonde no, hair. No, no, it not was gay. just like it was just like yeah, it was just like these look good, and I was like cool. So that I got very little information. I I didn't ask. I, I also didn't want very much information. 
But I suppose for people who do want more information, even at this stage now, and they can't figure out if their kid's gay, but um, they can, you know, they'll they'll give you like in your 23andMe things if anyone has done those. Right. I've never done one. Um, I also don't really want to. Anyways, um, <laughs> they find that, you, that, that there's, you know, oh, you may be you know, a good candidate for this disease or this mm-hmm. whatever. Um, but it doesn't mean you will, right? So that's it's like, right. that's it's just about the, the pattern. Yeah. That's people the, who are at risk. That, exactly. So like, that's the, what's weird. And I think it makes it very hard for parents to make decisions. Like, I'm glad I didn't get like that level of detail uh, information because you might hear something and you're like, well, you're like, your kid has like an 11% chance of being left-handed or yeah. whatever. And you're like, what? I don't want a left-handed, but like a left, you know, but oh, it's only it's 11% kind of psycho. Chance. So it, it encourages is psycho. It's like very weird. Good traits and bad traits as opposed to like, just love your kid for who they are. You know, yes. like. Um, There's also a history with Huntington's disease, for example, yeah. of, you know, like that you can sadly die, yeah. you know, in your 50s. And again, this is completely anecdotal. So you should actually read the, yes. <laughs> about this instead of me just sort of um, spouting out about something that I know nothing about. But but um, statistically, not everyone decides to find out, yeah. you know, if, if they're so say your parent mm-hmm. at Huntington's. It's fascinating to look at how many people actually decide Don't want to know. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah, that stuff is that stuff is fascinating. I guess my question for you guys is and like, understandable if you say no, I don't want to know. I yeah. mean, <laughs> yeah, super- yeah, it's like if you had a year to live, would you want to know? Or I think no. people differ because it's like I think I would, but also then would I just spend that whole year having a panic attack, or would I feel this sort of letting go? Because so much of Some death kind is not of knowing euphoria. when it's going to happen. I don't want yeah. to know. I think it's like li- being able to live with uncertainty, which is so painful. But it's part. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it is. It's like it's like I can see people going, and then some people finding out maybe that wasn't the best thing and things yeah. like that yeah um do you do you feel like science is making a value judgment when they're looking oh, for the gay gene great like, question Nikki. yeah well they're not looking for the straight gene you know it's <laughs> right. kind of how this that's whole right. thing is framed right. it's still always about the homogenous center and the others and the people on the margins so i think they're still trying to identify behavior of people on the margins but it can so quickly turn into, you know, versions of eugenics and fucked up things right. like that. And that's that's what that's my question. And it, but in in uh, defense of science, they're not looking for the straight gene, but that's also because in terms of evolutionary biology, the straight gene would not have been selected out of human beings because then there would be no procreation, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that's one of the reasons why they're try- like why you would want to explain this variant. You know, why there's fascination around this, you know, the 10 percent of the population that, you know, it doesn't have the straight gene or whatever. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, I'm still unintentionally single. (laughs) That is the issue. (laughs) All genders are open and I have no one. This podcast has turned into a matchmaking service for all the people of Fake the Nation. Who do you have for Katie and for Marsha? They're both adorable. I would highly recommend them as dates. You're bringing up these genetic questions, and I'm like, you know what? I still got to figure out, do I need to sign up for an app? Well, my my last question on this is, um, what do we think of this sort of like born this way mantra helpful, harmful. Oh, I, I think it's ridiculous. I think that l- being able to live with nuance and it, it, in the whole theme of our discussion today has been having to, you know, let's look at healthcare in a more complicated way, even if it's so painful to listen to or just boring, you know? And the same goes for sort of deciding you are born this way and therefore you cannot evolve or mature or, or change. change or shift. Yeah. I mean, it's just nonsense. There's right. cultural elements too because it's like I'm kind of of the belief that like everybody is kind of fluid with pressure reference yes like kinsey scale and so i think there's so many cultural elements where it's like um a lot of bisexual men are basically told that like you have to be gay you might as well give up on sleeping with women and that's not a real identity bisexual women are seen as straight but experimenting and you know it's like and then people who identify um as gay like you know it can be still on all 
scales of things. Like a lot of my friends I talk to, and this is obviously not everybody's experiences, and some people have always identified as gay, never had crushes on the other gender. You know, it's like so nature have they and heard nurture. Have Penelope Cruz? Yeah. <laughs> it's like nature and nurture, you know, and it's, but, um, and people fall on all different scales, but it's like, I feel like for me and like a lot of my friends, it's like, it's so day to day, like who I'm attracted to, who I'm thinking about, you know, like it's just so fluid for me and like for a lot of people. And then some people don't feel that way at all. They're, they don't yeah, feel their gender it, sexuality is fluid. I think it, it also sort of it, it is, I think, cultural because, you know, because we're sort of in a um, in a age group where like it was okay right like it's way more okay now we were just talking about comedy like it was so much harder for me to walk into a comedy club like nine years ago than it is now um because nine years ago i didn't feel welcome it was weird for there to be a woman on the lineup all of that stuff you're representing your whole gender i'm representing my whole gender the bookers are wary of me i have like you know all the eyes are focused on whether or not i'm gonna do well even though why aren't they focused on everybody (laughs) do you have one bad? you can have like nine jokes kill you have one bad setup and they're like, we'll get her on in six months. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, so again, but now because things have changed, I feel so great going into comedy clubs. So it's not an issue at all. And um, and I think, and it's and it's the same, right? Where like you're like I, where an innate maybe fluidity was not copped to early, in, uh, earlier because it maybe wasn't acceptable and now you're like oh but like it's so not a big deal you know what I mean and, and it's so, like people's sexual peaks hit at different times so yeah. it's like I think that sometimes people know like that they're either fluid or gay at different times in their lives which can, which can be like complicated like I didn't have crushes on like girls that I can remember until like a couple years ago like a year ago and oh, I was like oh shit like yeah and I and I mostly prefer men like I mostly sleep with men I've only ever dated men and um but yeah so it's like for me because of that I don't really like publicly uh I guess put myself on a queer platform even though I would like have the right to you know but I think it's because I have some sort of internalization of like if you're a bisexual or queer woman who mostly sleeps with men and only dates men like you know then then it's not really your place and i can kind of understand the resentment when the representation goes to those mostly straight women as opposed to queer women who are and like lesbians who are super underrepresented so it's like i feel like sexualness hits people at different times in their lives so it can be complicated in that way too absolutely i i've learned so much from this conversation because i i i really am excited to hear about sexual identity and it, the fact that it is fluid and I, I think I'm going to change my identity to aspiring. <laughs> aspiring, yeah. <laughs> uh, you guys. Um, by the way, the anecdote earlier about comedians and club, a female comedian in a club was really just meant to show about how acceptability of something makes it easier for you to accept whatever right. you're feeling. Right, yeah. anyway, I, I, I quit my I career wanna, like, based on, on the, the yeah. sexism and misogyny that, right, that we exactly. face. So I, 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 I really I, actually, it's a very important I just, uh, subject. In mm-hmm, the, in totally. the, this I could have been funny. In this is... <laughs> In that, Could have been a contender. A, in that this is such a touchy subject, we were nervous about talking about it before the show. Yes. Um, in that it's a touchy subject, I just want to make sure everyone's clear that I wasn't trying to like diminish anything or whatever. Myself okay. included. We're all learning. We're all learning. Yeah. We're all and it's learning. very easy for people to poke fingers. And the truth is, they're they're also learning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> totally. Yeah, we're all just humans, yeah. and it's like we're all trying. Well, some of us are trying, and the people who aren't then find their dicks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But give God forbid we give each other the benefit of the doubt, or you know. Now I feel and bad because I brought in closing, God into the picture. And, <laughs> and in yeah. closing, we've got two single ladies in the studio. You guys. <laughs> That's right. For now. That's right. <laughs> All right, you guys. How do you feel? How do I feel? Um, I feel good. The same amount of anxious that I did before about our crumbling democracy, potential theocracy. Um, <laughs> but great, great. I'm at a pretty neutral. I'm at a neutral. <laughs> All but right. I feel great about the show. But okay. in terms of life, I'm at a nooch. Newt. I feel I feel happier because I got to hang out with the two of you. So that, that was wonderful. Now I seem like an asshole. Okay, no, <laughs> no. And, and then I, th- you know, I really do think that the Democratic debates, like it, it was, it was a relief to see that there are people out there who are 
trying to do something a little bit better, even if I didn't agree with what they were saying all the time, even if I thought they were, you know, necessarily going to become president, didn't matter as much as just the fact that there were actually people trying to do something um, and they seemed far more competent than Trump. So that was a relief. It's a deep, it's a <laughs> yeah. deep bench. It's a deep bench and it feels good. Um, all right, you guys, I would like for the people of Fake Nation to be able to follow you and all the things that you do. Marsha, where do they do that? I'm on Twitter at Marsha Belsky, M-A-R-C-I-A-B-E-L-S-K-Y. My uh, website, same thing, MarshaBelsky.com. And I'm on Instagram at MarshaSky, S-K-Y. I'm Katie. at Katie Lazarus on Instagram, and uh, it's Lazarus is Lazarus, and, and Katie is with a C, and it's not my fault, but you still can join me in, um, and uh, join me on Instagram. And thank you. Um, and uh, be sure to check out all of the things that she's written for The Atlantic and for The New York Times and all of that stuff and Employee of the Month podcast. Uh, you guys know me and where to find me on Twitter, on uh, Nagin Farsad, and on Instagram, and Nagin Farsad, and on Facebook. I guess it's also Nagin Farsad. Um, <laughs> and oh, I just wanted to mention, though, I have an article out now, my, my column in Progressive Magazine. Um, and this month, I'm talking about um, the my climate change conundrum with travel that I love to do so much. So please read that and let me know what you think that we should all be doing. Um, how should we be balancing travel? Travel with climate change. Greta. Greta. I know. I Should we be on boats? Okay. Uh, so, so what let me Greta know. do? Uh, WWGD. And um, in the meantime, oh, and also I'm going to be doing um, the fucking, I'm going to be doing, uh, wait, wait, don't tell me again at the end of the oh, month. So fun. if you're in Chicago, come out. I think that show is October 31st. Uh, and then, you know, I have all other types of shows in New York City, so you can see me in La Cité. Um, but what I really want to do is thank the people here at Fake the Nation. That's our producer, Harry Nelson, our talented audio engineer, Andy Christens. Gabby Alter wrote our theme music. Lily Fleschler helps with research. And you guys, um, I love hearing from you. You know that. So please send us your feedback, uh, guest ideas, topic ideas. Um, you can leave us a voicemail at 347-770-4981 or drop us a line at comments at fakethenation.com. Uh, oh, and please check out um, the podcast, Lost at the Smithsonian, which is all about this. There's a new episode episode out um, that's really great and it's all about Phyllis Diller and her comedy legacy in American culture um, so please go to the Stitcher app and uh, again the, the podcast is called Lost at the Smithsonian it's really great and if you oh and if you uh, check out Stitcher Premium then you can get ad free versions of the show uh, and and uh, many other shows um, and maybe we'll even have some bonus episodes coming in the new year what teasing that shit up Okay, um, again, uh, if you like what you hear, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts um, because that is a thing that helps. All right, I'll be back in your earballs next week. Bye, guys. Such a pleasure. Thank you, Nadine. So fun.